0: If if we had a machine like this, and I don't think there is one, but if we did, if we had a machine that could measure how many times during a week that we were ourselves oriented and how many times a week we were others oriented, if we had that kind of machine, are you with me so far, is it making sense if you had a machine you could hook it up and it would measure how many times you were consumed about yourself and how many times you were consumed about others? If we had that machine and we hooked it up to you last week, which side gets the most? You don't have to answer it out loud because <laughs> I'm not sure that we would like our answers. I don't know if I would like my answer if I hooked it up to me. Um, it's, I think that probably we would have more times that we were ourselves oriented than others oriented. It's, it's, a, it's a common problem. It's it's. Um, isn't it funny how... We don't have to teach kids to be selfish. Like unless I'm missing something. Maybe I had different kids. Maybe I was a different kid, right? I I don't remember I don't remember having to teach them to not share. It's it's almost like it came naturally to them to me. Which what's funny is It did. A couple verses. Just I'm just making sure you get this. Like Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Just check this out. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Now I like it so far, don't you? I mean, I don't like the fact that there's sin in the world, but I like the fact that it's Adam's fault. Are you with me? Just make sure you're with me. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. I'm still pretty good with it. It's just the last three words for everyone sinned. That's the part I don't like, right? It's like if we hook that machine up and I think about myself more than other people, at least for the first eh, 85% of that verse, I can blame Adam, right? And who hasn't done that? <laughs> On your worst day, you're just like, Adam, right? It is a four-letter word, I'm just saying. Psalm 51, five. So the psalmist takes it a little bit further. It's going to start hitting a little close to home. Psalm, Psalm one five says this, For I was born a sinner, not Adam. I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Now, we don't think of babies that way, right? We think, oh, what a cute little bundle of joy. But the Bible says that all babies are cute little bundles of sin. Right? I think that's why their poop smells so bad. Like, nobody thinks that. And I'm not saying we shouldn't love our babies. I'm just saying, like, according to Scripture, like, when you and I started in this world, we were full of something that wasn't good. Right? That's that, it, So why don't we have to teach your kids to say no? Because it just comes naturally. We're born into sin. We're born into a world that's got sin in it. And and we want to, even the sinful part, we want to go, man, Adam, why'd you have to mess it all up? But what, what I just read, if we just stopped right there, we should flood the altar and repent of this truth. If I had been where Adam was, I would have done the same thing. That my heart, apart from Jesus, is inward focused and full of sin. That's what we just read. So we've taken three weeks to tackle this idea that most of us are more self-ish than we wish that we were. Right? It's, um, I remember when I was youth pastor and other youth pastors would say things to me like this. Hey, man, do the teenagers in your youth group, do they struggle with sin? And I would always say the same thing. I wish. But right now they just seem to enjoy it. <laughs> right? <laughs> they don't seem to even be struggling with it, right? They're, they're, like, they're just enjoying it, right? So struggling would be a step in the right direction. So I wanted to say this just to give, so somebody can breathe, right? So I want you to breathe. I feel like our church is struggling with the selfish tendencies that we have. I feel like we're at a place where we're like, we're recognizing that I am more selfish than I want to be. And I'm trying to learn how to become more like Christ, right? So that whole process of, um, we we talk about transformation, but remember remember what the big word is? Starts with an S, ends with sanctification. Right, 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 sanctification, good job. So that, that big word of sanctification, that's a process, right? So like we're saved and we're sanctified and being sanctified. Like we're, our whole life we're becoming more and more like Jesus. So hopefully less like us more like Him. That's the goal, and that's what transformation is. So when you look at people that have been serving Jesus for a while, listen, I say this with no judgment. It's just reality. If you've been serving Jesus for a long time, you should look dramatically different now than you did then, right? Maybe not physically. I mean, obviously the older we get as we serve Jesus, physically we may look different. But our attitude should be different. The words that come out of our mouth should be different. The way the words come out of our mouth should be different. Right? Like, we should be looking more and more like Jesus. The transformation process, though, that can be a struggle because it's a process. God. I always think about the Philadelphia 76ers. If you're not into NBA basketball, like like a year, a couple years back, it was like that was their slogan. Trust the process, right? Like That was their way of saying, we're tanking and our team's going to be terrible for a couple of years, but we're going to get good draft picks and we're going to be better. Just trust the process. And that's where we struggle. Um, let's just throw these verses up here. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead... Let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now that's just in three verses, we're just seeing this the struggle, right? The, the process. It's just the way my mind works, y'all. I read those three verses like a bath. You come in from a long day, or a, a shower. Right. Dudes. Okay, so. You come in from a long day, and you're nasty, you're sweaty. Like, when I mow my grass, Wendy knows, I don't mow the grass. I shuffle dirt. We don't have a lot of grass. And when it's been dry, and I go out and start mowing, it's just like a mower and a cloud of dust, right? And I come in with all that dirt on me. It's just nasty, right? So what I just read in that three-verse process, just watch this. Throw off your old nature, Don't let your minds go crazy with this illustration, okay? Just trust me. Paul, take off the dirty clothes. Step into the shower, right? That's what he said. Throw off your old nature. And then he said, and let the Spirit renew your thoughts and minds. Let the Spirit clean you. And then when you come out of the shower and you're all toweled off and you're not dirty anymore, Paul says, and pick up the old nature and put those dirty clothes right back on. That's not what he said. He said, put on the new nature. It's like while you were in the shower getting cleaned up, God was doing your laundry. And he has fresh new clothes for you to put on. That's what this whole three weeks has been about. Is that sometimes we live with the old clothes on, but he wants us to take the old clothes off. I think what he said was, throw them off. Like, they're so nasty and skanky and yucky, I'm just going to throw them off. And there have been times I have gone running and come back, and I don't want to wash those clothes. They go in the trash, right? Like, don't come within 15 feet of these. You will pass out from the smell. They just go in the trash. Throw away the old nature and let the Spirit renew you. That should be a lot of hope. I know you're you're like, man, this is the introduction. How long is this sermon going to be? Who knows, right? But this part's good. Throw off your old nature, and in all of us in the room that feel this religious tendency to try harder, the next verse says, let the Spirit renew you. Right? Now, there's stuff we have to do. We've been talking about this for the last couple weeks. There's things that we do as believers, but we can't make ourselves new. We live a life that reflects the new, but we can't make ourselves new. The Spirit does that. And then when you come out of that shower, man, put on some clean clothes. Turn to the person next to you and say, get those clothes off. Now tell them not now, (laughs) right? Wait till you get home. Please don't do it now, right? (laughs) So the last two weeks we've been talking about worship and community, right? What we've been saying from the beginning is we want to say goodbye to the old man forever. Those dirty old clothes, we want them gone forever. We want to step into new clothes and live a new life that reflects the transformation that's happening in our hearts, right? Now, again, this is if you're following Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, you don't love Jesus, I hate to be the one that says this to you, but you're kind of stuck with your dirty, nasty clothes until you make a decision you don't want to be there. And then he's got new clothes for you, right? That's a great thing. But if you're following Jesus... And you kind of have a little smell about you. It's some old clothes that need to come off. And he's got new clothes for you. Two of the new clothes we've already talked about, worship and community. Those are new clothes. They don't feel, um, how many of you buy new jeans and then you want to wash them like a million times before you wear them? Right? Because they're stiff and like, you know, like they don't feel comfortable. You get new shoes and they don't feel, you have to kind of break them in a little bit. Some of these, like, worship can feel that way. Community, when you've lived your life selfishly and now you're sharing your life with other people, that doesn't feel natural. You have to kind of break that in a little bit. It doesn't feel quite like we'd want it to feel. And this morning, we're going to talk about serving another area that will not automatically feel natural. But this is a third step in that transformation process. So, uh, I'm going to give you uh, just three. I can think of three things that serving does in the life of the believer. Here's number one. It'll be up on the screen. Serving connects. Serving connects. Uh, Tons of scripture. Here we go. Just jot them down. We'll put most of them on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Here's what it says. The end of the world is coming soon. Wait, is this the Bible or Facebook? What are we reading right now? Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, like, think about that. He just said, the end of the world is coming soon. And I know what you're thinking. How many years ago was that written? Obviously, the end of the world didn't come soon. I'm just going to say we're closer now than we were then, and we're closer now than we were yesterday, and we're closer now than we were when you came to church. Like, we're always closer to the end, right? So don't go, well, that's not true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. We're closer now than we've ever been, right? So he's saying the end of the world is coming soon. And if the end of the world is coming soon, what do you think would be the most important thing to do? Buy canned goods, right? Store them up in a cool place and then get yourself a gun so you, can't, you don't have to share that with anybody. If they come to steal your last food, you can shoot them, right? Right? Listen, can I just tell you, that's how I've seen Christians respond to the news that this is the end of the world. Ain't nobody taking my stuff. But look what Paul said. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a a meal or a place to stay. That sounds so different than get a gun and protect my house. That's just me, though, right? I'm just reading the Bible. Verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am gifted. The person you're talking to, if they're in your family, they're like, well, you're special. (laughs) He said, each of us has been given a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So the, the, I want you to notice a couple of things. The church's approach to the end of the world was not just to pray, right? It was to continue to show love to each other. It was use your gifts to serve one another. So serving connects us to each other. I mean, that right there, we can stop. That should be enough of a reason for us to serve each other. Because it connects us to each other. But one more. Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 40. It's a little bit long, but I'm going to read it anyway. It says this, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. You've got to kind of hear what they're hearing and put yourself in their place. Jesus is saying, you did all of this. I was in all these places. And what they're going to ask him is, time out, Jesus. We know what you look like. You're a white dude with a halo, big, long, flowing robe. You're the only man I know that could wear a dress and get away with it. You got a beard. We never saw you in any of that. Jesus, I never one time went, I never went to prison and saw you there. Verse 37, they said, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? Verse 40, this will be. Rock and change your world, I hope. And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Listen, not you were doing it for me. You were doing it to me. Serving connects us to one another. Serving connects us to Jesus. To him, I mean, I, I feel like I want to go old school preacher and just keep saying the same thing over and over and over again until you start going amen. Be, because like this, this truth will revolutionize how you serve people. Because you're not serving Lizzie. If if I see her sick, you okay so far? Okay. My introvert thing was going off on the inside of me. I was like, I hope I'm not messing her up. So if you're sick and I bring you a meal, I didn't serve Lizzie. I still don't think you're getting this. What I just read said that Jesus is going to look at me one day and say, when you took that soup to Lizzie, you gave it to me. To me. To me. To me. Serving connects us to Jesus. When you join a serving team at this church, you're not serving for Him, you're serving Him. Purple Shirt People, that's a great name. When people walk through the door, can I just be like a coach for a second? If we do our job 50% in greeting people to this church, you just greeted Jesus half-heartedly. I mean, I'm just saying what the Bible said. And I'm not saying that y'all do it half-heartedly. I'm just using it as an example. If somebody spills a drink in this place, and I could go get something to clean it up with, but I, oh, they'll, they'll take care of it. I just let Jesus clean up that mess by himself. Oh, but, but I'm going to worship my heart out. Yeah, you do that. You do because the end of the world is coming. So what you should do is just praise harder. And I think he said continue to show love for one another, right? Practice hospitality. Share what you have. Listen, I'm just I'm if I could like hand this mic to another preacher and sit with you, I would on this point because this blows my mind. Is that we're serving Jesus when we serve people. Well, I'll need to pray about getting in that nursery, pastor. All right. And I'll need to pray about whether or not you love Jesus. Or at least I'll need to pray about whether or not you want to serve Jesus. Because those babies, when you change a diaper, he said you just did it to him. Yeah, it's quiet. I knew it would be. I'm good with it, though. I will. So... It doesn't just connect us. This is why this second point is so important. Serving also corrects, right? So it connects, and it corrects. And let me just say this before we move on. Some of you, your whole church experience is angry pastor trying to get people to do what he wants them to do. That's not how we are at the gathering. So I'm just intense. But this isn't like, y'all better do better. This is just, we need to look like Jesus, right? Right? This is what it looks like to look like Jesus in serving. When we serve people, we, we get to serve like we've got four people we're gonna pray over at the end of the service that are gonna go on mission trips. Like they're gonna go serve Jesus in a foreign country. But we also get to serve Jesus in Albemarle, right? Tomorrow when you go to work and a coworker needs that cup of coffee. And y'all got coworkers like that, right? like. You need some coffee. You can go get them coffee and you can hand that cup of coffee to Jesus. Okay, I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> we'll move along. Here we go. It, it also corrects us. So, serving is one of the three practices that God uses to transform us. So, there's got to be some corrective element in it, right? And, and here it is Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful desire. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So serving corrects our pride, right? Because pride would say, my desires are more important than your desires. And Paul says, well, you've been set free, So now that you've been set free, don't use your freedom for your own selfish and sinful desires. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. It's a theme here, isn't there? I also like this. Anybody, okay, raise your hand. I'm not putting you on the spot, just if it applies to you. Raise your hand if your all-time favorite thing to do is to be manipulated. Okay, that's what I thought. Nobody likes to be manipulated, am I right? Don't you love how the Holy Spirit worded this text? Use your freedom to serve. Right? Like there's no, the Holy Spirit's like, I don't have to manipulate you. I don't have to force you to do anything. I've set you free. Now that you're free, use your freedom to choose to serve one another. I love that. I love that. The problem is, back to the beginning, aren't there times that we don't choose to use our freedom to serve people? I mean, am I the only one? Y'all making me feel very uncomfortable. Like I'm just burying my soul when y'all are like, I don't know what's wrong with our pastor. <laughs> but he is the most, he's not even selfish. He's just flat out selfish, right? But like, like there are times when I choose to use my freedom for me. I choose it. And so the question is like, why would I do that? And it's because I need serving to correct my pride. I need to serve other people. If for no other reason to remind myself I'm not the most important on the, the most important person on the planet. Right? I need to serve people. We need to serve just to correct that. Sometimes we revert back to the old comfortable clothes, don't we? I thought about bringing like one of my old favorite T-shirts that's got holes all in it and stuff, but they've been thrown away. You've got one, right? You've got a T-shirt that you wear all the time, and like your whole family's like, "Dude, just get rid of it." Like it, it shows more than it covers. Like, just throw it away. It's, it's over. I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll have a funeral for your T-shirt, right? And then we'll burn it in the furnace, right? Like, it's gone. Just get rid of it. Sometimes we, if we don't get rid of those things, it's so easy to slip back into them. It's so easy to start to live as if we're not new creations. And serving corrects that. Paul's saying that here in Galatians. He said, if you're not careful, you're going to use your new freedom just to serve yourself. But serving others corrects the pride that raises its head from time to time. And don't you have times that pride just reminds you that you are the most important person in the room? And serving corrects that, it kills that. It corrects our pride. Serving also corrects our perspective. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11. Again, I'm just using a verse out of a very long discussion that Jesus is having with his disciples. But he says, the greatest among you must be a servant. He Isn't Jesus the best at taking our worldly perspective and going? He just flips it upside down, right? Like, well, what, if I'm the greatest, then I should be served. And what did he say? Even the son of man didn't come to be served, but to be a servant. He flips everything on its head. The kingdom perspective is always going to be the opposite of the world's perspective. So serving connects and serving corrects. And here's the third thing, the last thing it does: serving reflects. The first thing it reflects is it reflects our loyalty to Jesus. Colossians. Now, before I read this verse, I, it's because I have this, my heart is just like I want you to get the weight of what Scripture's saying. But then the compassionate part of me wants to come alongside you and go, I get it. We're all in it together, and it's hard, and oh, it's just, but I want you to get the weight, right? So when I say that serving reflects our loyalty to Jesus, the only way to hear that, honestly, is if I'm not serving people, am I loyal to Jesus? And I'm just letting you know I understand that right? Like, I'm not, I can't judge that. I can't look at you and say, well, you're not loyal to Jesus. But can I read this scripture to you? Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24. Here's what what Paul says. Work willingly at whatever you do. Everybody say whatever. Okay, just, there's a lot of praying in the church about what we should be doing. I don't think God's going to answer that prayer. I think God's answer to that prayer is what needs to be done. Go do that. I'll bless your willing spirit, right? Well, if what needs to be done fits my passion and my, I mean, we're all wired a certain way, and I totally get that, right? But sometimes I think he just wants to wire his children to say yes to what needs to be done, right? So work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for who? Just, and not for people, Remember that who? The Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And that the master you are serving is Christ. What's really hard about that passage is that it's in the middle of Paul encouraging the believers at whatever circumstance they find themselves to serve as if they're serving Jesus. And one of those circumstances even included slavery in this passage and he he said this slaves serve your master as if you're serving Jesus now we read that in today's context and we're like holy cow like what in the world and Paul's not endorsing slavery what he's saying is like wherever you find yourself if you're a kid with a parent a slave if you're a, if you're an employer an employee with an employer wherever you find yourself Just there are horrible people that rule over you, but just know this, that you're serving me, right? You're serving me. In some situations, it's a whole lot easier to serve Jesus than others. But what Paul's saying is your serving reflects your loyalty to me, not to a bad boss or to a bad teacher or to whatever circumstance. We're not showing our loyalty to those people. We're showing our loyalty to Jesus. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Serving reflects our loyalty to Jesus, but it also reflects the life of Jesus. If Christians are the most selfish people on the planet, and I'm not saying that they are, but if we are, Do you see how we have no power to share the gospel? (laughs) Because they would say, we think that, the reason we don't evangelize is because we think people are going to ask us hard questions like, if God can do anything, would he build a rock so heavy he can't pick it up? They're not going to ask you that question. Can I tell you the question they're going to ask you? If you really believe what you're telling me, why doesn't your life look different? That's the question that we're afraid of. Because sometimes our serving does not reflect the life of Jesus. The, man, the, the God who came and took on the very nature of a servant is what it says in Philippians 2. And went obediently to the cross. He took the nature of a servant. And so believers that follow Jesus should reflect his life. We should be serving more than anybody on the planet. Because when we serve, we imitate the life of Jesus. There should be something about how we serve. We should serve people in a way that makes them say, you remind me of somebody. And we should be able to say, I think it's Jesus. Our lives should remind people of Jesus. So here's your bold, big idea. We're never more like Jesus than when we serve. We're never more like Jesus than when we serve. And isn't that not what we preach all the time? Read your Bible eight eight hours a day, and you'll be like Jesus. Worship To a Bethel playlist, eight hours a day, and you'll be like Jesus, right? Wear a Christian T-shirt, and you'll be like Jesus. Walk for life, and you'll be like Jesus, right? Tithe, and you'll be like Jesus. Attend church every time the doors are open, you'll be like Jesus. I mean, I'm not saying any of those are bad things, but you can do all of those things and not look like Jesus. And don't you know people that do? The grumpiest people on the planet, right? Right? I'm just going to church. Oh, oh, I don't want to go with you. <laughs> right? Have fun. But when you serve somebody, oh, now that's when we look like Jesus. I'm not even saying that's when you love Jesus, but you'll look like him. I've actually told people that don't follow Jesus, you remind me of Jesus. Jesus. They don't know what to do with that. That's a fun conversation. What? I remind you of who? Jesus. But I don't love Jesus. Oh, I know. But the way that you gave that product for free to that single mom, I think that's something Jesus would have done. Oh, thank you. Sure. Serving reminds people of Jesus. That's why it's a shame when non-Christians outserve Christians. Let me close with one more text. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up, verse 4, from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. Serving is not about ignoring who you are. Serving is not about putting people first because you think you're not worth it. A lot of people think that's what serving is. But serving comes from a correct view of who we are. I was reading this, and it just dawned on me, verse 3. Jesus knew where he'd come from, where he was going, and whose he was. All the big questions in life that we ask, Right? What am I here for? Where did I come from? What's my purpose? Who who do I belong to? Jesus had all those answered. He had all the big questions answered. And from that place of confidence, he took a knee and began to serve. Some of us don't want to serve because taking a knee makes us feel like a doormat. But that's not serving's problem. That's your problem. That's an inside you problem that needs to get worked out, and there are people that can help you work that out. Jesus didn't serve because he thought he was a doormat. He served because he knew who he was. I am a um, big um, big football fan, no doubt about it. So um, you know what it means when, <laughs> I'll just use you as an example because I don't know that we have a quarterback that can do this yet, but, but, you know, Cody got up and welcomed you guys here, and he's a big Patriots fan, so, you know, their, their quarterback is, Tom Brady. Yeah, right. So um, it's hard to say this and not throw up in my mouth, but Tom Brady's good. He's good. So um, when Tom Brady comes up to the line at the end of a game and willingly gets the ball and takes a knee, can anybody in the room tell me what that means, Cody? It's over. It's over. It means they've won the victory. Turn to your neighbor and say, take an a knee." Many people think that serving is an act of defeat. Well, I gave my heart to Jesus, and he was a servant of all, so I guess I better keep the nursery. If that's your view of serving, please don't keep the nursery. We love our kids way more than that. We don't need that in the nursery. What we need in the nursery are people who know who they are in Christ, where they came from, where they're going, and who can willingly take a knee and serve. As a matter of fact, now that I think about it, we don't just need those people in the nursery. We need them serving coffee on Sunday morning. We need them greeting people at the door. We need them to come in here during the week and maybe straighten up some chairs. We need those people to serve their co-workers at their job. We need students like that to serve teachers like that. Jesus wants servants like that all over the place. Because serving is the greatest victory play the kingdom has. See, when we serve, we look like Jesus, right? We look most like Jesus when we serve. Well, I want to reflect a king who won. Don't you? I want to reflect the victory of the kingdom. And the greatest way we can do that is through serving. Because you start serving people who take advantage of you. And I'm not talking about unhealthy relationships. Don't, don't go there right now. Let's just say we start serving people and they start to take advantage of us because they will. Right? And at some point they're going to ask you, why are you doing this? Don't you have something better to do? Well, the answer sometimes could be, as a matter of fact, I, I probably do. But this is what I want to do because, man, my king served me and I want to serve you. It's a place of victory. And I want to call you at the end of this selfish series to kill the old man once and for all. And the way you do that is worship and community and serving. Y'all, serving is so key because this is when we start to look like Jesus. That whole transformation process we've been talking about. That we're becoming like Jesus. We're looking more and more like Jesus. This is the way we look like him when we take a knee and we reflect to the culture that we can serve them. I want to call you to this. When you take a knee and you begin to serve people, they're going to ask you, you you look like something I've heard something about this man, Jesus, and something about what you're doing. I think it reminds me of him. And I just want you to be able to say to them, because this is who Jesus was. The Jesus I serve stepped out of heaven. The Bible says in Philippians, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. The Greek word literally means held on to. But he was willing to let even that go to step into where we are and took on the very nature of a servant. We talked this at the very beginning. You got to take off something to put on something. And Jesus took off this, I'm going to hold on to what I got to put on the nature of a servant. And he stepped into our world and served. And you and I are here because of that. Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus changed me. If no other reason, if there's no other way he changed you, you're sitting here today, right? In this service, because Jesus took on the form of a servant. And I want to call you to take on the form of a servant and serve. And I can guarantee you, just just try it. Just test it out. Give it 90 days. What if you served intentionally for 90 days? What would your life look like at the end? If you came to me at the end of 90 days and said, you know, I did it. I served for 90 days, and I'm worse off than I was before, and I'm no happier. I would have no money to give you back, but we would surely take you off the team. I would just say, well, let's try something different. Just sit your butt in that chair and never move it. Let's see if that works. But you won't come to me after 90 days and tell me that. Because you'll look like Jesus, and your soul will be full It's another one of those messages. I know we're going to sing to wrap this up, but it's hard. I mean, I can't call you to the altar. I just, the only way to live this out is to start serving, you know? So would you close your eyes and would you just just do this? Would you just kind of take a quick inventory of your life? And would you ask the Lord right now, don't ask him if he wants you to serve. Ask him who he wants you to serve. And I can guarantee you, he's going to give you a name, a face. And I want you to start serving them tomorrow, today, if you can. The way you serve them today might be praying for them. I want you to begin to serve that person. That's even more important to us than you joining a ministry team here. Because this isn't a sermon to get you to join a team. This is just a message to help you see how serving transforms us and makes us look more like Jesus. And the person that you're thinking of right now, I just want to pray over you that God would give you the courage to step through the door that he has probably already opened for you to serve that person. It could be a co-worker, a neighbor, it could be somebody in your own family. And if you're here this morning and you're like, I can't even do that because on the inside of me, I don't think I'm... I don't think I'm where Jesus was. I'm not confident who I am and where I came from and what I'm here for. Then I'm going to tell you that you need to serve yourself because the Bible is clear that we love others the same way that we love ourselves. And let God heal that on the inside of you so that you can step confidently into serving other people. Father, in your name, Jesus, right now we just ask all of that. We're your children, and we want to look like you, God. And we recognize that serving is a big part of that. And so I just pray over this church, God, over this service, those that are in this room, as as we kind of ask you, hey, reveal who I need to serve, God. And whoever that person is, God, I pray that you would give us right now, just fill us with the courage that Jesus had to take a knee, And just begin to wash their feet. Serve them. And we pray that your kingdom would grow as a result of it.